Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen with the Makers of Minnesota, and I am going to help you with your strategy for your business in 2021. Are you dreading social media and not sure when you should be posting on Facebook or Instagram? Or maybe you want to reach out to some influencers, but you don't know how to do it. Or maybe you just want someone to actually use your product and create some recipes for you. I am your gal. I've been developing lots of relationships over at stephaniesdish.com, and I can help you get your product into the hands of people that are going to use it and create influence and create buying patterns for people that you can count on as new customers. 2021 is going to get all of a sudden ramped up and we're going to be moving real fast to capture some of the business opportunities that we lost in 2020. Don't be left out on the cold. Have new followers and new pairs of eyes on your product now. Give me a shout. I'd be happy to help you. I'm at shansen, H-A-N-S-E-N, marketing at gmail.com. It's shansen, marketing at gmail.com for small business marketing, for things like social media, recipe development, influencer posting, and just general PR help and getting the word out about your products. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast, where we're talking to cool people throughout the state of Minnesota that are doing cool things. We love to talk to our friends that are in and around the food space. And today we have Kate Meyer and we have Trent. Trent, what is your last name? I don't even know if I know. It's Taher. A lot of people say Taher, but Taher. Okay, Trent Taher. And you may know that name because they are involved in a lot of food service. And you guys have co-founded a business called Craft Made Aprons. And Kate, I think I first connected with you when maybe you connected with us for Weekly Dish and your sons are chefs. Uh, Corey is one of my favorite chefs in town, actually. And you were deciding like, hey, I these kids need better aprons so I can make them one. And that was, I think, how it originally started. Is that correct? It really did. It started out with that as they actually came to me and when one realized that the other spent like a large amount of money on an apron, which he called just canvas with strings, and then he ruined it like the next day at work spilling beet juice on it. I think he he came to me and was like, can you actually believe this is going on? And, and these things are terrible. We should make something better. So having that that kind of request and, and getting that input is kind of where, yeah, it kind of all started right there. So no really planned intentions of let's do this cool thing. It's just like, okay, I'm, I'm in it for you. You know, I'll, I'll help you out. And so my understanding is, is once your son's chef's friends saw these aprons, they all were like, oh, those are so cool. And that literally kind of was how the business was born. Trent, when did you come into the scene? Well, we... What was it, Kate? Like two days ago or yesterday? We've identified was you know our th- our three year mark it's of today, Trent. It's today. Oh, to- today. Oh, yes, yeah, so I'm talk so about honored. Time. Happy anniversary. <laughs> so it was uh, you know, that that yeah. Go ahead, Trent. I was just gonna say. I mean, you know, if you just take the to to the the timeline you're following is. She started working with um, Eric Sather in the Lowry group. And I was over at the butcher shop. We've had a long standing relationship with Eric. And I was like, what's up, man? Where'd you get these? And like getting custom aprons at the time was impossible. And if you wanted to call one company, I think that I knew was doing it, you know, you had to buy 20 and 
you only got five options to choose from. So it was like, this is stupid. So anyways, I was like, say there, what's the deal? And he gave me Kate's email address. He's like, just email this lady and she'll come meet you and, and do a, you know, a design. And that's actually how Kate and I met as I contacted her wanting to just have some aprons being made. And we met the first time. And a lot of times after that at Spy House on Washington, at, at the time I was living right downtown, right next door to that. I probably and then, saw you uh, Yeah. I mean, I love that place. It was like, I was actually sad to leave downtown <laughs> for that building more than anything else, but, uh, or for that coffee shop. But, and uh, so we met, and then I think two weeks later, we met actually out where I'm at right now at, at, at our office in Minnetonka, you know, when Kate and I first met, you know, I was like, tell me the story. And I really wanted to understand kind of what she was up to and, and kind of how she was going about it. And uh, not necessarily what some of her goals were, but what she was really out to accomplish. And, you know, I think we had a conversation about finding, you know, putting down a few bullet points so we could maybe go hire somebody to support her just so she could have some more bandwidth. And then what, Kay, like two weeks later, you came over here and with Emma and we hung out for another two hours, just kind of yacked. And, and, and the conversation was, I want you to to team up with me and that's really kind of how it all started that sound yeah, about no, think, but also though no i i think that trent early on you believed that there was way more potential and opportunity than what i saw and i think that when i met you i was kind of overwhelmed with like oh my god people keep emailing me and texting me and i don't even know what to do anymore because it's like coming and there's too much there's too many inquiries i'm just one person i'm already showing like more than I, I was like going to just intend to make a couple of these cool things for my kids. And so I kept wanting to stay in it because it was fun and cool, but I was sort of like overwhelmed. What do I do? So there was a lot of guidance and support like early on with that, that process right there was helped me stay in it and, and looking at the opportunities that were coming, but like, it didn't even seem real to me. It was like, what's actually going on? This does not make sense. (laughs) I, I wanted to ask about that because part of your charm and part of what I think is so lovely about your company is it's very customizable. And Kate, there's a lot of your personality in all of your designs and collaboration. But is that challenging then to scale because you can't sew every single apron? And are you still customizing and hand sewing them like you were in the beginning? Or have you learned more about generalized cost of savings in the manufacturing process? I think for us on that end, we still, we love to do these very short, limited run, cool things. So we can make really neat individual, like maybe a set of lack of 10 or 20 or sometimes only six. And I can give it all those cool, interesting details that I, that I always would put into that. So I would say all of our, all of our stuff has those details, but we still like to make these really short, cool, limited runs for people so that they can be like, oh man, that's what I actually really wanted all the time. I just never knew it until I saw it. So we have that aspect, which is fun and cool. We do work closely with customization for restaurants and and people that want those things. So we can still offer a lot of that. And I think the cooler part now is that we have this team of sewers that that can do the sewing so I can focus more on uh, attention to what someone wants for their their restaurant the look that they're going for and then on the other side of that is doing these more custom short runs for people to order on the website I get to kind of focus on what's cool and what have I learned in the you know three years up to this point doing this that I've learned from people what they're kind of looking for what they think would be interesting and then sometimes I like to throw them a little curveball with some different accent pieces or, or change things up just a little bit 
And that's always fun to see that part too. So I can kind of focus on some of the more design aspects, different details. And then, you know, when we did knife rolls, we could, I could focus on time with a local knife maker, work with me on what you think would be really cool. Pull in Trent because he's a, you know, he's a knife dude. So I'm like all the details that someone would want. Let's talk about that to build a really cool piece. So I get to dedicate my time on really focusing on what makes it work. How do we make this better? Tell us everything that that you can, things that you've looked for, issues you've had, problems that we can solve. So I get to spend so much more time on that. That's going to give a better product in the end and, and work on that piece now. About 10 years ago, there was a real movement in the Twin Cities. Uh, Shinola was here and there were a lot of maker made products, but they were really struggling to find sewers. So there was this whole movement around working with Dunwoody and I think Northern Grade was involved and they had a coalition of people at Dunwoody and they were teaching people how to sew to kind of bring this manufacturing back in house and it sort of fell by the wayside after a couple of years because I think some of the leadership changed. But I'm really still intrigued by this idea that so many folks have these great ideas, but then you have to find people to sew them. And that's somewhat of a lost art. Has that been hard for you, Kate? Um, it, it, has, it was such a long process for Trent and I both as a team because I think his support in, in knowing the amount of hours that I personally was putting in sewing and having such a long standing wait list for people wanting the product. We tried all different ideas on how do we, how do we find people? And then the process of, can they make this product? Can they be up to, to our quality? We went everything from someone in their home that had sewn in the past for larger manufacturing. So how much can that one person handle without us feeling that they were getting burned out on top of me doing it as well and interviewing more people to them also that the part of large manufacturers. So we went with the large manufacturers that maybe specialized in medical supply, but were on board with trying this new, new product. And we went that route and that, that was really hard and challenging as well. So we tried, I would say in the, the last two years, it's been about a year and a half with who we've been working with now, but we have an incredible team that has just really been on board with, with us as a whole. And I would say at this point, we've got a solid team that's really focused on quality and hitting the mark, but they believe in us and believe in what we're doing. So that having that part and we, they know that I've, I'm familiar with how hard this work is. And that we want to make sure that they're paid what it's worth because the work is hard and we don't want to shortchange that. Mm -hmm. And leading by example, I think is important. Trent, you've, it's not like you need another business, but I really, (laughs) I I feel like I'm a six month old son too. Oh, sure. (laughs) I uh, I just, I hope someday that someone circles around to this idea of creating a manufacturing sewing environment in the Twin Cities, because I think it would just be so cool. Just a couple of comments that I want to just add to, to your question and what, sure. what Kate was saying. Like, we definitely used, a, we went through a lot of different models to get to where we're at. And I think to your question, like, 
one of the challenges that we face, and I think a lot of companies face, especially startup companies face, is like you can get one or two people and on staff to do custom production and stuff. But if you want to go and start doing larger production, you need a production company. And there's just nothing in the middle. When you're in the middle, it's a really tough spot. And I mean, Kate and I chased our tails around working with different production companies that are in town. I think in the process, we, we got the lay of the land, but like, there's just kind of this weird space where you kind of move up and it, there's just nothing. And there was a co-op project that Suzy was working on that we met with some people about over there by uh, the farmer's market. But the other comment I want to make, which I think is just a, a significant to your, to your question, is like the skill labor for this is, is a small pool in the in the community. And when making face masks became a thing, it got insanely cutthroat, which would tell you, like, I mean, it was really interesting for us to experience because we met all these large production companies and now they're coming in and literally into our space at points to poach our people. So it really is a small pool of people that are available. So I'm not, I wasn't familiar with that project with Dunwoody, but that it makes sense because like we've, we've gone through a lot of that to, to get where we're at and, you know, and, and uh, it's hard to work with an outside company. There's just no doubt about that. At some point, you guys even pivoted to face masks too, and right. were doing the aprons in addition to the face masks. Is is face masks still a viable business? Do you still sell them? And I mean, we get a. I know we sold one earlier today, and it was in a batch with like three or four aprons. You know, Kate, help me out here, but like we we kind of made well, a conscious decision. I want to say in like. June that like this thing had, had people had gotten there whatever and we wanted to go back to our business now we still made them but I think right. that was May or so Kate I don't know if you remember we we made that we just kind of made a conscious decision that we were going to go back to pushing what we were doing and especially as like PP and stuff was coming into to yeah. the country when we started out, it was we really wanted to help our the people in the industry feel protected because they're still working. They're doing curbside and they were anxious and nervous and there's a lot of anxiety with it. And we were getting requests. You know, we know that that you can make something. Can you make these for us? So I did spend time um, developing a, a really good product that we felt good about the fabric was cool to fit and we have a bunch of different sizes so we went kind of same route with face masks that we do with our aprons or any of our products we wanted to make sure we were offering something that made sense and that people felt good about and that I would feel safe putting on my own kids and having them you know do food delivery so we started with that mindset we had more sales for masks than we could have ever expected so we kind of went with that with the mindset that we were taking care of our team is basically what we wanted to kind of look at that as is we even did, we did plenty of donations to hospitals and had requests. I mean, we sent masks to a hospital in Alaska that their PP, PP was expired. And so we wanted to, to make sure we were doing that as well. But we tried to stay in that as much as we could. And it really consumed like all of our team's efforts. Um, as that slowed down, we kept selling them and we still sell them now because people like the quality, they like the fit, they feel great about what it is. So we want to still have that offered, but it's not, it's definitely not our primary focus. So it's, it's dwindled way down. And in the summer, we were still getting a lot of custom restaurant orders and people were coming back stronger, wanted to have a, a team feel for the restaurants. So we wanted to definitely support that and and be in there for that. And, you know, you don't want to stretch your team 
often. So we did focus back on what we were good at and where we wanted to to put our energy was that. I was just going to say it was a real opportunity for us. Like we, because I, I think one thing she didn't share is we we took $5 of every one of those mass sales and put it into a fund. And that really created an opportunity for us to uh, inject some a lot of money into that fund, which we, we in turn, you know, given out. We haven't formally come out and announced this, but we... In 2020, we gave out just under $55,000 in cash. Like it's a beauty of the model we're using. It's just direct to people. Most of that actually ended up in the metro area. I don't think any of it really went out of state. And then, you know, to Kate's comments about supporting the industry people, which is our community, that's why we started to do the, or went out and and put all those those kits together and and just gave them to restaurants. And, And I believe all hundred of those, with the exception of one, I think went to Iowa. We're all here in Minnesota. And those were like a sanitation kit that included sanitizer, face masks. And you guys have been really good about doing kind of a give back model where you would donate uh, money to local restaurateurs. And is there anything like we know the community has suffered. We know the community is continuing to suffer. Is there anything you want like the average layperson to know about how they can support the restaurant industry? Because, you know, the the immediate crisis has passed in the mind of the consumer and they're not necessarily buying gift cards. They're still doing takeout. But what what do you think we can do most as consumers to help restaurants right now? Kate, do you want to answer that? Well, for me, this is really a, a tough one for me, knowing that people are really, it's really hard and they're really struggling and trying to pivot themselves of, do I have a new career? What do I do? So for us, we continue to um, sell sell Project Black and Blue Aprons. We accept donations. Um, the, a couple of weeks ago, um, Whiskey Inferno did a, a raised funds for us on their, their takeout. That was an incredible opportunity for the project so they could give back. So we have built that fund, fund there. Really... Buying aprons has been the piece where we've raised, isn't that trend where we have pulled in the most funds is just from the apron sales itself. I mean, there's more, there's definitely like avenues or, or roads for, for money going into the fund. And there's no doubt selling aprons has helped some of that. And, and, you know, Whiskey Inferno, these guys have just been working their butts off, which has been really cool. What I would say my answer to the question of like, what is kind of the consumer, what should the consumer think about when thinking about industry people? I think my answer to that is they just, there's this mental component, not to simplify this, but there's just this mental component and, and everyone's kind of dealing with it, but it's just a deep level of, of depression and sadness and, and kind of mental health challenges that come with that. Uh, and I think my answer would be is like, you know, be conscious of that and, and start a conversation with somebody because like people, you know, to case coming, people are, they're hurting. I mean, how could you not be hurting right now? I mean, it's just, it's like, how could you not, you know, there's just every something, you know, granted we're, we're a little bit past some of the political climate, which to be honest is kind of nice. There's a little bit, you know, fresh air with that, but so how could you not? And like not talking about it is, is the the absolute last thing to do. I, I say this as the same example, but you know, like, so I got a six month old, my wife and I are trying to figure out what the hell we're doing. Um, it's creating challenges in our relationship and in our partnership. And if we didn't talk about those, if we just kind of moved on, it perpetuates. And my concern, or I'll use the word fear, which is a strong word here, but my fear is, is nobody's talking about it. So we're internalizing it and we're becoming kind of a generation of individuals that will be compared to those that fought in World War II, where we're just internalizing this pain. So I think starting a conversation is helpful. 
people being transparent about your own mental health helps somebody else talk about some of that too. But I, I, that's probably my biggest concern is, is, is people's mental health and the lack of discussion. Sharing that piece and some of the, the fact that our, our give back is a nomination basis. So people nominate themselves or someone else Um, having us, when we have someone that has nominated themselves, I know how proud that that the individuals are. They're giving their time to make someone else feel better. So they're all caregivers and and their job is is to make someone have a great evening or, or take care of others. So for them to reach out to us, that's why it's been always really important to Trent and I that we keep this anonymous. We don't share names or someone someone's in need because we want them to reach out and we want them to feel like they can have dignity and, and do, know that we are there to help them and, and give them a, a little boost if that's what they need. We're there for them to do that. We're not going to ask questions. We're going to support and help you when you need it. But the fact that you're reaching out, that's a huge step. And we we have so much respect for someone that that is doing that. But like Trump's saying, it's like it's really important that it's part of the industry has always been suck it up and push further and do more. And it's I would say right now to have some of these people in the places that they are and not know what their future is. It's reaching out and having someone there to support you. It's, it's huge. Like we feel honored that we get to have this part of our job, that we get to have that be part of what we we're, we're doing. And, and it's honestly, the community has built this. So knowing some of the people that we helped um, before just over the holiday time, them knowing that this give back is from the community to them. It made them, there was some people that had to come in and, and we, we were there to, to give them the check, but they've got tears running down their face thinking that the community that they're in is supporting them and giving back to them. It's a, it's like a real warm embrace for them to, to be able to have that. I think it's interesting to think about, you know, we view, we as the, I'll call myself the consumer here. We view restaurants as businesses, you know, not unlike we view like a local store or someone that's a furniture salesman. You know, we see this as like this brick and mortar thing. What I think I've taken away from this pandemic, and I knew it inherently because I'm pretty involved in the industry, but it became so much clearer to me is hospitality is an art. We are dealing with creative people. We are dealing with artists. We are dealing with very emotionally sensitive, empathic people that their job is to make you feel good. They want your their food to taste good. They want to give you this experience. And that is really different than walking into a furniture store and, you know, buying a piece of furniture. And so I feel like the industry has suffered and that there's more suffering. And also it's such a front facing business that just, it keeps getting shut down while the furniture store just keeps selling, right? So I feel like we really are going to have to evaluate our losses. I think we're going to have to evaluate Mm -hmm. our culture. You know, you probably just can't pay someone $7 an hour and expect them to keep showing up for work with a smile on their face when they're dealing with a lot of these issues. I think it's going to fundamentally change hospitality. Mm -hmm. It's for me looking at, you know, I have three sons that are currently unemployed then with the industry. Your favorite guy, Corey, is, is currently working with us, helping us on our projects. And I feel honored that we have, you know, someone of that caliber on our team helping us with our job, but it's definitely not his passion or his love. And I think 
that, you know, my other two, one now is going to school to do computer work. It's so he's shifting completely because he's not sure of what, what his future is here. And he's got a, a young child, but I, I'm watching my three boys that have, even my daughter too, who was front of house, but I'm watching my kids feel like the part that they loved to do. You love to do your work and you immediately get to see a response from that. It's that that part being not in their life at all, it's definitely hard for me as a as a parent to see all of my kids having that that missing and not be part of, of what they do. And so knowing that reach of where that is, I'm sure that it's hitting others even harder that maybe don't have they have each other. My kids have each other. Um they get each other and they know where each other at. Knowing that there are people out there in this same boat that don't have maybe they don't they aren't going to reach out to their in-house team because they're the bands broke up they're not together I, I'm right. like very concerned for those people yeah it's a heavy it's a heavy time and you know we have vaccines on the horizon and we're starting to get into some of the senior living facilities and some of our older population but it's sure feeling like it's going to be a while for the rest of us and I just I want to thank you guys. I don't want this podcast to be a total bummer, but I want to thank you guys for all the work you've done in hospitality. And I just, I also want to thank you for being a rallying point for creating some good in what has not been a great situation. The Minnesota maker movement, whether you're on the product side or whether you're creating, you know, just in our environment in general, whether you're creating art or furniture or whatever it is that you're doing, it's such a robust community. And I worked on an event two years ago. And as I go through my list of people to work on that event, I'd say over half of them aren't in business anymore. So it's really been challenging. But on the good side, and this is the positive thing I'm seeing in hospitality, we are seeing a lot more movement, I feel like, in entrepreneurism and the immigrant communities people of color, uh, women-owned businesses. And I'm really excited about that as we move forward. What can, um, you know, people can buy aprons, so that's good. What else uh, do you guys have on the horizon? Do you have any things you're excited about or any news you want to share? I know Trent, Kate's excited go. to share. No, no. We, we, well, I, I, I'll give you some context, but I want her to tell you this because we, this, this is, you know, it, we've been putting a lot of time and energy in this talking about it. And it actually goes back to like, if you just think about what the answer was to you ask, Kate, how'd you get started and the kids and getting them something that they couldn't get otherwise. Um, so we've been working on a project, you know, and it's really hard to believe that it's basically been a year that we've been in this pandemic thing. So we were working on a project. We were supposed to meet with, say, the higher ups the 15th of March. Well, that, that got punted. <laughs> and uh, we picked it up probably sometime in the in the summer. And and I, I would say there's a lot of layers that come into to actually getting this done. Uh, and it went live two weeks ago, Monday. Uh, we haven't officially come out and announced it. We're, we're, we're working on a plan for that. Uh, but uh, Kate, please, I, I want you to No, you keep going. On. You're doing a good job. Go teammate, go. So we, I, I may have the wording off on this, but we are now the national uniform for the culinary team supplier, ex- exclusive because it's the only chef code available to them, as well as now their apron for all of U.S. foods. So we are, oh. we haven't, 
launched our own chef coats, which uh, if I understand this airs in April. So optimistically, we, we will have launched our own by then because we really wanted to respect this relationship that we were working with, with, with this, this client, essentially. I mean, with you, with U.S. Foods, there's a couple of local U.S. Yep. Foods people. And so we, we honored that. We really didn't want to, we didn't want to take away their excitement. And we, we did a lot of development. Kate did a lot of design and a lot of development. And she, she may or may not have things thrown at her right now as they're trying to work through this, this pattern for kind of a, call it an odd size. Cause it's, I'm telling you, it's just a ton of work and a lot of pieces in a chef coat. But I, I guess, Kate, I want you to bite on this, but I, I will tee it up as this, like, like, you know, in case I think you should share the story, but we, we didn't want to go out and do this. We're kind of like, we're like, I don't know about chef coats. Cause there's who wears chef coats and everyone makes one like what, you know, whatever, yep. but they, they really, and, and Kate, I want you to share the story. They, they, they came to us and they came to us by being in the store and they just saw something and please, please share the story. <laughs> well, no, it, it, it really honestly happened the way that it did with aprons. They were, unhappy with what um, they had been wearing and said, hey, can you help us out? And here are all the things that we're unhappy with, and especially for women. It's just there's not a good coat out there for women. And so we did all of this work with what makes sense. How can we make this better? How can it fit better for women? And women shouldn't have to just wear an oversized man's jacket. So putting the time in with that finding the fabrics that fit and stretch and feel really good and are going to hold up you wash and you're not going to have to iron it and you're going to look good and your team can stand together and look solid and, and feel great about that. That was a, a really awesome piece to be able to, to hear every time. I think when I get to do the problem solving of someone coming to me with, with issues or things that they're not happy with, something that they've put up with for a really long time and they've just not liked it, being able to take that and work with the client that that's in need of, of something different and and work with them to make something better um, and then have them be as excited as they are with once they get that piece you feel like it's just pretty pretty awesome to get to that place so having that aspect of where this came from and that they came to us and, and we're excited for us to work with them that was kind of mind-blowing in itself that was really really awesome I just, I love um, how that collaboration happened. I've done some work with U.S. Foods too. And U.S. Foods is a food supplier, but there's so much more, right? They really try to offer the restaurant industry tools and resources from technology to product innovation. So uniform makes total sense to me. That's great. I'm glad that they reached out. Mm -hmm. That'll really be a huge opportunity for you guys for expansion, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, we we just turned up on the internal uniform side. We we're clear that we're going to open up a catalog to the whole customer base. We're, you know, we're maybe a little more method. We like to be a little more methodical than probably some others. We just want to make sure we got this right before we get, you know, get too far ahead of our skis or whatever. So we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge uh, probably in this, the next couple months, just because I think our system is working actually pretty good. Cause we're, you know, we're writing a new equation, see how the equation works and then we can kind of scale the rest of it up with them. So that's, you know, I think it, it'll really, you know, be a really good opportunity for us as an organization. And and I, I tie this actually to your question about the production side of the manufacturer side. You know, there's so much ebbs and flow in this business of seasonality, depending on what's going on. And like kind of the one that a lot of parents maybe don't think about, like dance season is a huge one. And it just kind of whatever sucks everyone out. But then there are these, you know, holiday times too. But then there's these huge lulls. So part of our challenge has always been to have consistent production to keep our staff or keep our team busy 
And that's hard. So we're optimistic that setting up this relationship and, and, and further exploring that will kind of help even out some of these peaks and valleys to keep them consistently active, us consistently moving and, uh, and just allows us to, to spread our wings. I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you for being my guest today. Trent, I love that you said you didn't want to get out over your skis because I think that's a famous Governor Walls quote. And I do like the governor. Thing. I mean, this is wrong that yeah. I may say this publicly. I like him. I mean, I got a picture of me when I first met him when he first took office. I'm like, oh, I love you. You know, I he, he's in a tough position. Uh, I didn't know that was one of his lines. That's actually my bro- one of my brother's very consistent lines. So I steal that from my brother. <laughs> well, you can know that you and Governor Walls have both used that line. I like him too. It's he's in a no-win situation. The restaurant industry has certainly taken more than their fair share of lumps. And as part of that industry, I know that there's a lot of different feelings. And we have had a lot of strife just in the Twin Cities area. And I think everybody's ready for some healing. And I'm hopeful that the sun will come out tomorrow as we get into, you know, vaccine and hopefully being able to open more folks up in the spring and the summer months here. Thanks for being my guest. I'm glad that uh, we could end on a happy note because I think there's a lot of great things ahead for both of you. Thanks for being our guest on Makers of Minnesota. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you so much.